0: Uh, We've been continuing a series uh, that we've been going through uh, over the last few weeks about the gospel. The gospel is the the center, the core of Christianity. It is why we come here to worship on Sundays. It is is what our faith is all about. Uh, And we said from the very outset uh, that in our faith, in the Protestant Christianity, we understand the gospel uh, as as it is communicated by the five solas. The five solas, solas, just being a latin word that means only and the five solas are that salvation is by grace alone through faith alone in christ alone according to scripture alone for the glory of god alone and so we've been uh, looking at uh, these core tenets, these pillars of the gospel, uh, and, and how these all interact with one another, and how we need to hold on to each and every one of them so that not only we know that we hold on to the gospel as it's clearly communicated in scripture, uh, so that when we stand before God, we, we know that our faith is secure in the one true and only gospel, but also so that when we pass this gospel on to the next generation, uh, it's passed on uh the way that we've received it it's passed on faithfully it's passed on securely and so uh we've already looked at uh the grace excuse me grace alone we've already looked at faith alone we've already looked at christ alone today what we're going to do is we're going to look at excuse me uh um Scripture alone. We're going to look at how Scripture alone is one of the hallmarks of our faith that we believe, as Christians, as Protestant Christians, uh, we believe that our faith is grounded in God's word. Now, many of you might uh, not might not be familiar with the individual by the name of Charles Templeton. Now, Charles Templeton was a evangelist, an up-and-coming, uh, um, popular evangelist in the 1940s fifties And in the 1940s and 50s, Charles Templeton was going around and he was preaching the gospel. He was telling other people about the good news of Jesus Christ and, and how if they placed their faith in Christ, he, uh, they would uh, be saved. And he began to uh, gain more and more uh, popularity, more and more prominence on the world stage as far as, uh, uh, as an evangelist. And he began touring all around the United States. He went to a grand total of about 44 different states, uh, holding different revivals, holding different uh, meetings where he would preach the gospel, and scores of people would come and place their faith in Jesus Christ. And then his ministry continued to expand to where he eventually he became internationally known uh, for a preacher of the gospel. Well, God was blessing uh, Charles Templeton's uh, ministry so much that he decided, you know what, um, uh, Charles decided, I'm going to continue to... Uh, further my education. I want to go to seminary. I want to learn as much as I can about theology, doctrine, scripture, apologetics. I want to use the the mind that God has given me to learn as much as I can so I can be the best preacher I can for his glory. And so he enrolled in Princeton Theological Seminary. And there he began uh, to listen and sit under various professors and teachers. But unfortunately... Many of the things that he began learning there at Princeton began to undermine his faith in God's word. As he sat under many of these professors and as he sat under many of these teachers, they began telling him that there are contradictions in God's word. They began telling them that there were inaccuracies and errors within God's word. That God, that the Bible was not just uh, the Bible was not God's word. It wasn't infallible. It wasn't inerrant. It wasn't inspired. There was nothing special about the Bible. It was just a book that was written by a cup by by uh, some guys thousands of years ago, and that's all it was. As Charles Templeton began wrestling and struggling with some of these questions and trying to answer and trying to uh, understand how this is God's word, his faith began to get weaker and weaker, and eventually it fell apart altogether. And he went from being a prominent evangelist, an up-and-coming preacher of the gospel, to an agnostic, someone who isn't really even sure there is a God at all. And he's most famous now not for being an evangelist who preached the gospel. Now he's most famous for one of the books he wrote, Falling Away from God. And so the ministry that had so much promise was gone. Now as sad and as um, unfortunate as that is, I've seen time and time again, it seems almost every year there are prominent men and women in the ministry who preach the gospel, who try to minister for the glory of God, who begin to wrestle with God's Word. Begin to wrestle with some of the difficult passages of God's Word. Begin to wrestle with some of the things taught in God's Word. And before too long, you see uh, all kinds of people in the faith who have such promise, who God seems to be blessing in so many incredible ways, begin to fall away. And as difficult as that is, I know that many of us, we hold to God's word. We know that it's inspired. We know that it's infallible. And maybe we're not struggling in some of those ways. We're not struggling with, with some of the difficult passages. We, we place our faith in God's word. We know we'll, we'll communicate, hey, I believe in the word of God. But here's the thing I want you to wrestle with. That even if you aren't struggling with those difficult passages, maybe you, you are, are taking a stand on God's word. How often do we truly get into God's Word and then live God's Word? Because here's the thing. If we really believe that this is inspired by God, the, the literal Word of God given to us, shouldn't this be the most important part of each of our day? Think about that for just a moment. What more is it, what, What's more important in any given day than hearing from the God of the universe? What's more important in your life than hearing from your Lord and Savior who gave his life for you? But as we see time and time again, as uh, studies show over and over again, even in my own personal experience in the ministry, I have found that more often than not, people will say with their mouth that they believe that this is the word of God, but they spend little to no time in it. And most people that I speak to who talk about uh, this being the word of God, when I ask them about uh, how much time they spend in it, they say, well, I want to spend time in God's word. I want to read God's word. I want to study God's word and stuff like that. But there's so much going on. I, I just have no time to really get in it like I want to. And let me just say something that is just as much convicting to me as it is to anyone else here in this room. There has only been and will always be 24 hours in a day. That's true of each and every one of us. And we make time for the things that are important to us. We make time for the things that we love. If we really believe that this is the word of God, if we really believe that this is communicating how we are to experience salvation and how we are to live the life that God has called us to, shouldn't we put more value on it and how we approach it each and every day? And here's the reason why I'm bringing this up is because as we look at the gospel and as we look at uh, how this gospel of Jesus Christ is clearly communicated to us in Scripture and it's through Scripture alone that we have the foundation for the gospel and the foundation for our Christian life. If we get away from this, then we are on the road that Charles Templeton was on where soon we may fall away from the faith completely. Or maybe if we don't fall away from the faith, we will be setting up the next generation to fall away from the faith. Because if we we compromise on this, everything else in our faith will soon crumble as well. And so what I want us to do today as we explore this idea of Scripture and the importance of Scripture in our life and in the communication of the gospel, I want us to see clearly that this is God's inspired, infallible, and inerrant word. And it may be difficult at times for us to understand it. It may be difficult at times for us to wrestle with it. But I implore you, I encourage you as brothers and sisters in Christ, or if you are here today and you've never trusted in Christ, don't give up just because it's difficult. Sometimes the most difficult things in life have the biggest blessings in them. And so I want to encourage you to dig deep in God's word. Get into it so that it gets into you and transforms your life and transforms your eternity. And so I want to invite you as we explore upon this, we're going to look at a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to his young protege in the faith, Timothy. So if you turn your Bibles uh, to 2 Timothy chapter 3, and in this letter uh, from Paul to Timothy, Paul is approaching the end of his life. He has run his race. He is getting older in the faith. He has experienced the hardships, the highs and the lows and everything in between of the Christian life. He has preached the gospel to the ends of the world. He has suffered persecution unlike anything that we have ever experienced. And as he writes about the gospel, as he writes to this young uh, disciple in the faith who is now preaching in Ephesus, Paul writes to him, and he says this: these last few words. These are probably the last words ever recorded uh, by the Apostle Paul that we have uh, here. He's writing to him, encouraging him, and he's passing the baton of the gospel to him. And this is what he says in 2 Timothy starting in uh, chapter 3 starting in verse 10. He says, "But you have carefully followed my doctrine, my manner of life, purpose, faith, long suffering love, perseverance, persecutions and afflictions which happened to me at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra. What persecutions I endured. And out of them all the Lord delivered me." Yes, And all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Here Paul is writing to him, and you may look at these a few verses and you think, well, what does this have to do with Scripture? But what Paul is getting at here, he's saying, Timothy, I've discipled you, I've mentored you, you've seen me, Timothy, you've seen the gospel I've preached, and you know the kind of life I live, the things I've endured. Timothy, you know that my life is... is is defined by God's Word. You see, the the gospel that Paul had been going around all over the world preaching was the gospel according to the Scriptures of God, the Word of God. Not in the New Testament. Again, the New Testament was being written at this time. Paul's letters that would be our New Testament, they're being written, they're being collected. Uh, Peter, James, John, their letters are just being written. They're they're being uh, uh, collected at this time. So the gospel that Paul is preaching... The gospel that he is proclaiming and he's living out in front of Timothy and the, the watching world is the gospel according to the Old Testament. The gospel of the laws of Moses and, Deut- and of Deuteronomy and Joshua and Psalms and Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and the prophets. You see, there is a movement going on in the church today that is trying to separate the scriptures. There are preachers today who are saying, let's set aside the Old Testament because those things are difficult, those things are strange, those things are an obstacle to people. You know, When you hear about uh, Israel going into Canaan land and laying siege to cities and, and wiping out civilizations, when you see God raining fire down from heaven, that all seems very scary, and that seems counter to the God you see in the New Testament. So let's set aside the Old and New Testament. Let's, let's just focus on the New Testament gospel. But that's not what Paul did. Because I'm here to tell you that all of Scripture, Old and New Testament, it's all the Word of God. It's all inspired. It's all God-breathed. It's the gospel through and through from Genesis 1 all the way to Revelation. It's all pointing to Jesus Christ. It's all communicating the news of God's redemptive plan to humanity. And so we need to understand that all of Scripture is the gospel. That is what Paul preached. And not only was that what Paul preached, but that's what Paul lived. Did you catch what Paul was saying to Timothy? He says, you know, and you've seen my life. You've seen my love. You've seen my patience. You've seen my persecutions. Timothy, you know that this is my life. Why in the world would Paul continue to preach the gospel when he was persecuted time and time again? He lists here specifically his first missionary journey when Paul left from Antioch, which was in Syria, and he went down to the island of Cyprus, and there he preached the gospel uh, to the proconsul there, Sergius Paulus, and there uh, he, uh, that proconsul accepted Christ, and Paul saw the gospel uh, uh, power displayed there. He then went up into modern-day Turkey where he went to Antioch of Poseidon, and there he preached the gospel, and the Jews couldn't stand it. And so they ran him out of town. He then went to Iconium, and there in Iconium, he preached the gospel again. And there in Iconium, they got so upset that they wanted to stone him. Stoning wasn't just throwing little pebbles at a person. It was these rocks, these jagged boulders that they would take, and they would drag someone out to the city gates, and they would amass a crowd around them and throw rocks until they pelted them to death. Paul heard that they were going to do that to him and Barnabas. And so they left Iconium and they went to Lystra. And there in Lystra, they come, they see a crippled man there who had been crippled for years and years. And they, through the power of God, tell him to stand up and walk. They heal him. And all the people around gather around, they think, whoa, this is amazing. They just caused this crippled man to walk, and they believe that they're Greek gods. They believe they're Zeus and Hermes. And they begin worshiping them. And Paul says, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, hold on. Wait, no, 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 no. We're not gods, we're just messenger of the one true and living God. And he preaches the gospel, and it's so amazing. He shows them all throughout the Old Testament. He he begins with the history of Israel, and he shows them how God has worked through this one-people group to take a gospel and bring the Messiah that would eventually go to all the world and be the hope for all of fallen mankind. And the Jews hear this, and they get upset. And this time, instead of just threatening to stone them, They actually do it. They grab Paul. They grab Barnabas. They drag him to the edge of the the city. And they pelt him again and again and again with these rocks. And they leave him for dead. Paul, he gets up, dusts himself off, picks up Barnabas. Do you think they give up and go home? Not at all. They finish out their missionary journey, they go to Derby, and then they circle back around to all the cities that had just rejected them, checking on the churches and the believers that they just uh, led to Christ, and then they go back to Antioch, not uh, grumbling and complaining about the persecution they just endured, but praising God that the gospel is going out. And he goes again and again on these missionary journeys, experiencing persecution again and again. Why would Paul do that? Paul did that because he knew the importance and the power of God's word. He knew that it was the only hope for fallen mankind. If they were ever to hear about the Savior, if they were ever to hear about Jesus Christ, it depended on people like Paul going out and sharing the gospel with others, sharing God's word. In fact, notice what he says to Timothy here. He goes down in verse 14, he says, "...but you must continue." in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you've learned them, that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures. Again, that's the Old Testament. Which are able, now if you highlight or underline, underline or highlight this next phrase, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Here Paul is saying, Timothy, you have to continue in spreading the gospel. Timothy, you have to keep preaching God's word. Listen, if we stop preaching God's word, how will the world ever hear God's message? You know, God, I'm I'm a firm believer that God communicates in many different ways and and ways that we don't even understand. I believe that God uh, can reveal himself through nature. You know, just here recently, that we put a rover on Mars, and I looked at the pictures there of this rover as it took panorama shots at the landscape of Mars. And I sat there with my kids, and we looked at the heavens as you saw just countless stars and all kinds of beautiful things there. And it just testifies to God's power and His creativity. But guess what? As much as we can learn about the power of God from the panorama of Mars, we can't learn the gospel. And that God loved us enough to send his one and only son to die on a cross for us. You can't learn that from nature. You know, I love going hiking with my family. One of the things we do is uh, we'll, we'll go hiking, especially around Pilot Mountain. We love going uh, around there, and we'll see these little steps. Have you seen the steps going up the, the Pilot Mountain? I'll look at those, and I'll just kind of kid with my, uh, my, my family every once in a while. I'll say, you know, look, through wind and erosion and just the random circumstances of life, the, the, nature just created these steps that perfectly go up to the hill of this uh, mountain. And they just kind of look at me and they laugh and they say, no, that couldn't have happened. And it's ridiculous because we know that just random natural occurrences don't create order and beauty. If you send a tornado through a junkyard, you're not going to get a Volkswagen or you're not going to get a Mustang that works, are you? That's because we know that order does not come from chaos unless there's an intelligent design and mind behind it. But as much as we can look out at creation all around us and as much as we can see God's fingerprints on all of creation, we can't learn the gospel through creation. If we could, then God would never have had to inspire men and women throughout the ages to not only uh, write God's word, but preserve God's word and pass it on to us. People giving their life so that we could have a copy of God's word today. God's word is important. Scripture is important. Because it clearly communicates the path to salvation. Now hear me very clearly. Paul has just said that he sends out this gospel and he proclaims this gospel even though it suffers persecution. He goes so far to tell Timothy, this young protégé in the faith, the one he's passing the baton of the gospel to, he says, listen, everyone who desires to live godly will suffer persecution. Now, I want you to hear me very clearly because this is not a prosperity gospel. This is not a feel good gospel. If you are wanting to live out God's truth in a world that is increasingly antagonistic towards truth, you are going to suffer persecution as well. The world is not going to uh, love you when you continue, continue to proclaim God's truth that goes contrary to the desires of their heart. And listen, I'm convinced that this world is getting darker and darker, more chaotic, and more chaotic. And I don't know whether or not God is going to come back in our lifetime or in a hundred years, but that doesn't matter. What matters is we are faithful in the time that we have here now. And that when God comes back, whether it be today or whether it be a hundred years from now, that when he comes back, he finds us faithful to his word. So I'm going to ask you, do you believe that this is the word of God? And more than just believing that this is the word of God, do you live this out the way Paul lived this out? I'm not talking about going on missionary journeys or being a, a, a formal preacher or pastor. I'm talking about just being the sons and daughters of your heavenly father, telling other people about the good news that transformed your life and that you know will transform the lives of those who hear and listen and obey. So this is what Paul's telling Timothy. He says, listen, this is the gospel, and this is why I do it. This is why I suffer all the hardships. is because this and this alone communicates the message that leads to salvation, that makes people wise unto salvation. And even if people misconstrue my motives, and even if people persecute me, I'm going to continue to put forth this message gospel but then he goes on and he, he takes it a step further he says not only does this lead you to salvation but i want you to notice what he says next look at the next few verses and many of y'all are probably very familiar with this passage here paul then goes on and he says this all of scripture and again remember for paul that's all the old testament the new testament hasn't been written and compiled yet but he says all of scripture is given by god and, and by inspiration of god that means that word inspiration means god breathe think of it as this This is God's love letter to you. Imagine if you had a handwritten note from Jesus Christ mailed to you. Imagine if the God of this universe that spoke this universe into existence and holds it in the palm of his hands, if he had a specific message for you. That's true. He does have a message for you. He's given you his word. And more than that, he has you here today to hear this message. You're not here by accident. You're here by divine appointment. God wanted you here to hear this message because he has something in store for you. And so he says all of scripture is given by inspiration of God and is, catch this, he, he riddles off a number of things that scripture means for us as believers He says this is profitable for doctrine. That is, Scripture tells us who God is, who we are, and what this world is really like around us. You see, we live in a world that we are bombarded constantly with messages about who we are. Some of those are positive messages about you are uh, uh, the, the master of your own life. You get to decide who you are. You get to decide what gender you are. You get to decide who you want to marry. You get to decide anything and everything you want. No one can tell you you are wrong. You make up your truth. That's the phrase that we hear so much today. Your truth. We hear today that some of them are not so good messages. Some of them are about how hateful you are, how Mean you are because of the way you believe or the way you live. Some of them continue because of what you look like or how you live. And if all we do is listen to the world around us, then we'll begin believing some of those messages. But if we immerse ourselves in God's word and let his truth wash over us and recalibrate our eyes and our heart and our mind on Christ, then we'll know what is true about God about us about others so often the church has gotten uh, astray and gotten wrong because we have neglected god's word and we need to get back because this is where we learn what is truth he says it's profitable for doctrine for reproof that word reproof just basically means to test it means to weigh and evaluate and at times even to convict where you've gone astray you see the problem with us is, as people as fallen to humanity, so often we don't want to listen to what God says is good. We want to decide what's good for ourselves. That was the problem that we see with Adam and Eve all the way back in Genesis 3, where God in Genesis 1, God was saying, this is good, and this is good, and this is good. And then he looked at all this creation, and he says, it's very good. And then he says, I don't want you to touch this tree. I don't want you to eat from this tree. Eat from any other tree, but not this tree. But then Adam and Eve, they decide, you know what? I understand that God decides what's good, but you know what? I think I can do that too. I think I can decide. I can look at things and I can evaluate what's wise, what's good, what's profitable. And they decided to take from the tree and to eat. And that's the same temptation that we face each and every day. Am I going to listen to the word of God and what he says is good, what is right, what is wise, what is godly? Or am I going to decide that for myself? And what he says here is if we stay in scripture we'll understand we'll be able to test and evaluate what is good what is right. He says it is good for it is profitable for correction that is to make straight again something that is crooked. Again, I've in, in my lifetime I've never seen the world and our nation get more crooked than what it is now. More bent out of shape, more out of uh, out, out of alignment for uh, with the will of God. But listen, our hope of getting our nation back to where it needs to be, getting our world back to where it needs to be, getting uh, this all of creation straight the way God intended it is not found in our politicians, in our Supreme Courts, in the White House, in Congress, or in leaders. It's not found in pithy uh, political slogans or anything like that. If If when the people of God begin living the Word of God and taking God's Word seriously and standing on that firm foundation, then God will begin making things straight again. If we begin showing people what God's Word says, then I believe that the God who turned the Roman world upside down with the preaching of the gospel through Paul, the same God who uh, time and time again throughout church history uh empowered revivals that transform communities and transform nations. I believe that same God wants to do an incredible work today. He hasn't changed, but maybe we have. And if we take a stand on God's word, I believe that he will do that work again because his word is powerful. He goes on and says this, "It's profitable for instruction and righteousness, that word instruction, I love it. Another way that it's translated in, in some Bibles is training. It's this idea of when you go and work out and you strengthen certain muscles and you you strengthen your endurance and you strengthen uh, your body to do a work. It says that when we get into God's word and we let it get into us, it trains us for righteousness. Righteousness is, again, that fancy theological word that just means a right standing with God. It shows you and it trains you to live the life God has called you to live. And he says that. The man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. That word complete means lacking nothing, whole. Listen, if you want to experience God working in your life, you got to get into God's Word. Every time I ever counsel anyone, whether it be marriage problems, whether it be personal problems, whether it be you name it, one of the first questions I ask, are you spending time in God's Word? Because if you're not spending time in God's Word, you got to start there. That is the first step to getting your life back to where it needs to be. I'm not saying you have to spend hours and hours a day reading God's Word, but just a few moments where you get alone with your Heavenly Father, you hear from Him, and then you pour your heart out to Him, it begins to transform you and change you. Maybe not in a day, but as you consistently day by day do it, you begin to be transformed more and more into the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. So I'm going to ask you, and I don't want you to answer to anyone else, but just between you and God in the stillness of this moment, are you getting into God's word? Do you believe that not only it's profitable for your salvation to hear uh, uh, the the good news of Jesus Christ and to be saved, but do you believe that it's essential for you in your day-to-day Christian walk? Just like you get up and you don't forget to eat breakfast, you don't forget to get dressed, there are things in your life that you know are important that you have to do. Do you believe it is essential for you to hear from God each and every day, to spend time with Him, to let Him speak into your life? Because hear hear me very clearly, if the Christian church neglects spending time with God, spending time in His Word, again, we are on a slow fade, to losing our nation, to losing the gospel here in this place. And listen, God's church will continue on. There are churches that are growing and thriving all around the world, and in some countries there are churches that are blossoming, where people walk for miles on dirt roads to sit in a a little hut to hear the gospel, and his church will continue on even if the church here in America fails. But listen, I don't want to see that happen. I don't want that to happen to this church, and I don't want that to happen to any church. And it begins not when we point our fingers at anyone else who's not reading or getting into God's Word and studying God's Word and living it out, but when we take an evaluation of our own life. When we take the plank out of our own eye we ask ourselves, God, am I spending time with you each and every day? Do I believe that this is truly your letter, your message for me today? That's what Paul was trying to inspire within Timothy. Paul wanted, before his life was over, for Timothy to be firmly convinced that this is the path that God wants each and every one of us on. I want you to notice what he says next, as, as he, as he talks to Timothy here we could stop right here and just say okay well we know God's word is important because it leads to salvation it leads to godliness but I want you to hear very clearly what Paul says in the next chapter turn over to chapter four real quick and I believe this next little message here that, that Paul says to Timothy is really important for each and every one of us to hear because I believe that this describes the days that we live in And I want you to hear what Paul says to Timothy and what I believe he says through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to each and every one of us. He says, I charge you, therefore, in light of everything that I just said about the importance of Scripture, in light of the importance of Scripture leading you to salvation, in light of the importance of Scripture leading you to living a godly life, I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearance and his kingdom, preach the word. Preach the word the word that word preach means proclaim and i want to be very clear here that as one of your pastors and i believe i speak for pastor daryl as well as long as god gives us uh, an opportunity here on this earth to talk to people to preach before the people of god we are going to preach god's word we are going to preach what god's word says We may not understand all of it, we may not like some of it, but we are going to preach God's Word because it's God's Word. And it's not God's Word because we believe it, it's God's Word because it's God's Word. And it's the only hope for us. But more than that, most of you will never be formal preachers and pastors. But here's the thing. Even though you may never stand behind a pulpit and preach to a congregation... You are still called as the body of Christ, as the priesthood of believers, to proclaim God's word, to live out God's word. That when the world sees you, they should see the truths that are revealed in this book written all over your life. And the words that you say and the life that you live, it should be a living display of God's word. And you should preach God's word with your day-to-day living. And you can only do that as you stay in God's word. Notice what he goes on to say, though. He says, Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth. Be turned aside to fables. Be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Paul is writing to a young preacher as he's stepping off the world stage. He's passing this gospel baton, he's emphasizing the importance of Scripture to Timothy that he takes the gospel into the next generation. He says, you fulfill the ministry you've been called to. You preach God's word. I don't care what happens to you. You be faithful to what God has called you to and let chips fall where they may. And I'm here to tell you that if you're here today, if God has given you the opportunity to be here, to hear God's word, to accept the gospel and live out that gospel, you've been called to a ministry as well. It may not be a ministry like this, but you are in a ministry. In fact, you are called to do certain things and reach certain people that I'll never be able to reach. You'll have opportunities that I'll never have. And if you don't stand on God's word and proclaim his message, his truth to those people and make the most of those opportunities, then one day when we all stand to give an account before God, you're going to have to answer to why you did not follow through and fulfill the ministry and the calling that God has placed in your life. Now hear me very clearly. I understand sharing the gospel is very intimidating. That is the front line of Christian ministry. That is where the spiritual battle is the heaviest. And I understand that it's easy for us to make excuses and to shrink back. And I am not calling you to, to uh, share your faith and to, to preach the gospel the way that I do. Or the way that anyone else does. God has crafted you and gifted you and created you in such a way that you preach the gospel and you proclaim the gospel and you live the gospel the way God has created you to live the gospel. And as you do that your way and I do it my way and we all do it in our own individual ways and the various opportunities and situations that God gives us, it shows that the gospel is alive and well and moving and it will be pervasive and it will accomplish the good work that God has called us to. But when we don't, If we don't live out that gospel, can we really complain when the world gets darker and darker? Can we really be upset when we see the world getting more and more ungodly? When God's people, who are called to be the light of the world, to reflect the glory of God out, not because we're producing the light, but because we're simply reflecting His truth, His glory, His power, into the lives of other people. When we stop doing that, then what's going to happen to the world around us? What's going to happen to our children and our grandchildren? You know, I started off this message talking about Charles Templeton, an evangelist. who was growing, who was up and coming, he was, he was sharing the gospel, and God was blessing in some tremendous ways, but because he began to doubt God's word, he lost those opportunities. He walked away from the faith. Who knows how many people that he led to faith in Christ? saw him walk away from the faith and because of that they stumbled they tripped up and they walked away as well how many people could have accepted christ but didn't because he walked away and no longer preached the gospel but you know charles templeton his story doesn't stop there because he was a close associate and a close friend of another individual who who was an up-and-coming evangelist at that time by the name of billy graham and at this time in Billy Graham's life, he was not doing very well in the ministry as he would preach the gospel and very little uh, um, uh, power seemed to be coming from his message. Many uh, There weren't many people hearing or responding to his messages, and he began to get more and more discouraged. And Billy Graham, he would look at the, the lackluster response to his message, and then he would talk to Charles Templeton, who had been, by this time already walked away from the faith, And in their conversations, uh, Charles uh, would ask Billy Graham all kinds of questions about Scripture and the the problems that he saw in Scripture. And Billy said he didn't know how to answer those things. He didn't know how to confront those criticisms. And he began to have a, a struggle of faith. Billy Graham began to wonder whether or not he should just walk away from the ministry. God didn't seem to be blessing it. One of his mentors in the faith had walked away and was now an agnostic and he couldn't answer any of his objections and criticisms. And so as he had this inner wrestling match with God, he got away and he walked into the woods and he sat down by a tree and he just poured his heart out to God. And in one of his memoirs, this is what he writes, this is what he prayed to God. He said, oh God, there are many things in this book, pointing to his Bible, that I do not understand. There are many problems for which I have no solution. There are many seeming contradictions. There are some areas in it that don't seem to correlate with modern science. I can't answer some of the philosophical and psychological questions that Chuck and others are raising. And then he looked up to heaven, and this is what he prayed next. He said, Father, I am going to accept this as your word by faith. I'm going, to go, I, I, I'm going to allow faith to go beyond my intellectual questions and my doubts, and I will believe that this is your inspired word. And according to Billy Graham, he then stood up, and when he stood up, he just felt a peace and empowerment that he had nailed down even though he couldn't answer every question he had nailed down I am going to believe that this is the word of God it wasn't too long after that that he went to California and began preaching in LA and there was just a power that went out from his preaching and he saw hundreds upon hundreds give their life to Christ and many of the people there gave testimony that there was such a power and an authoritative preaching of God's word that they had never seen before and that led into Billy Graham's crusades that impacted not only the United States but all the world for the glory of God. All because one man decided that he was going to place his faith in God's inspired, infallible, errant word. And I believe that what was special was not Billy Graham, but it was the preaching of his word. It was the faith that Billy Graham put in God's word. Because listen, you may not be Billy Graham, you may not be the next greatest evangelist, preacher, pastor, whatever it may be, but I believe that God is looking for just one person, who has a bold faith in what God can do as his word is proclaimed, that when his word goes out, it will accomplish exactly what it set out to accomplish. And if just one person will have that kind of faith, there's no end to what God can do. So I don't know where you are today. I don't know what you're wrestling with or what you're struggling with. You may have some serious doubts about God's word, about the Christian faith or whatever. I get it. That's okay. But I'm here today to tell you that God wants you to hear this message, to just trust in him hang in there, keep digging, keep wrestling, keep asking those questions, dig deep into God's Word, be around the brothers and sisters in Christ and ask those questions, wrestle with it, and I believe that God will strengthen your faith as you hold tight to Him. And as you do that, I believe that God's next great revival is just right around the corner as His people trust in His Word. In just a moment, we're going to have a time of invitation. This is just a time where you... uh, You listen to your Heavenly Father. Whatever He is calling you to, whatever He is speaking to you here in this moment, you listen to Him. I'm going to lead you in a time of prayer. You can pray in your seats. You can come pray here at the stage. It doesn't matter where you are. It just matters where your heart is focused. And my prayer is that you would focus on your Heavenly Father who's speaking to you here in this moment. So as we go into this time of prayer, you listen to Him. Be obedient to whatever He calls you to do, and we'll give all the glory to Him. Let's pray.